Hey, Fedheads, welcome back to another episode of Sharing Our Pairings. I'm your host, Trip. Uh, here with my co-host, Dennis. We're broadcast around the world on the Armed Forces Radio Network, live on Facebook.com, uh, and, of course, available as a podcast on your favorite podcast catcher, or you can catch us after the show on YouTube. Um, it's been a little while. We took a couple weeks off. We took a week off for uh, Thanksgiving, and then I was actually, I kind of last minute had to go out of town for work last week, um, so we weren't able to do any shows last week, but luckily we didn't have a guest scheduled with the you know, coming right off of the holiday. But anyway, we're back here with sharing our pairings. We're going to smoke some cigars, drink some beverages. Uh, here with my co-host, Dennis. Dennis, how you doing? Hey, Trippy. It's good to be back, man. Back stateside. Feels great. Yeah, so that's what I wanted to start off with. Uh, I mean, kind of, well, let's introduce our cigar, and then we'll we'll talk about your little, your little yeah. adventure there. Um, so the cigar let's we're smoking today is the latest Tatuaje Monster. See if my camera can focus there. Uh, so this is the Michael. And as we were talking about before the show, this has had a uh, a very controversial release. It seems like a lot of people just aren't a big fan of this cigar. I'm really digging it so far. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of chatter. I like it so far as well. Um, so this is the Michael, named, of course, after Michael Myers from the the classic Halloween, directed by John Carpenter. Uh, it is a six and a half by 52 Ecuadorian Habano uh, wrapped over a Nicaraguan binder and Nicaraguan fillers. I'm digging it so far. It, as I was saying before the show, it reminds me a little bit of like the, the vibe of an Opus X. It's kind of like got that classic spicy Habano flavor, um, kind of some raisins and cinnamon in there. I'm digging it. Yeah, I'm getting some black pepper off of it, too, and I like that a lot. That's, for me, when I go for a cigar, that's generally mm-hmm. the first thing I, I kind of look for. Yeah, a, a serious hit of black pepper. Um, and before I move on, actually, I, I do want to say one thing. Speaking of black pepper, yesterday I smoked a Padron 45th, 45 uh, years. Um, because as, as I'm sure, you know, and as I'm sure most of our listeners know, Jose Padron passed away this week at the age of 91. He was the, I mean, if you've ever smoked a Padron cigar, which chances are you have, I mean, if you've never smoked a Padron, uh, you probably haven't been smoking very long because they're kind of the gold standard for, you know, Nicaraguan cigars. Um, and you know, it's just after something like 60 or 70 years in the industry, um, it felt like a, a good time to smoke that cigar. So, you know, our condolences go out to the, the Padron family. I, ha- I haven't met Jose. I, I've met, I have met George and a, a couple of the other family members. Um, but anyway, back to the cigar. Uh, so these, as always, they released 666 boxes Um the second week in October, I think, is when they usually do it. Um, yeah. 666 dress boxes, of course, to the uh, the dress box retailers. And then 4,500 plain boxes, which is kind of the typical number for the uh, monsters. And then, as usual, they retail for $13 per stick. Um, I managed to pick up a box from Co- my, my friends at Corona for a pretty good price. Um and if you're interested, boxes are still out there. I mean, you're not going to find a dress box. Uh, the dress box is like the holy grail of yeah. cigars. Yeah, it's, they're gone by now. It's insane how people clamor for those. Um, but the non-dress boxes are actually pretty easy to find. With the first release with like the Boris, or sorry, the uh, the Frank, they were really hard to find because it kind of was this crazy thing. Like, who releases 600 boxes and then separate boxes and <laughs> it was just a weird thing at the time but i remember they yeah. were very quickly came hard to find um but after like the i think it was the face or so is when they started really ramping up production and it started getting a lot easier to find the cigars just on the shelf i expect they'll be around for a couple years kind of like the uh you can't really find mummies anymore but you can still find hides and jackals yeah, they're still around somewhere yep yeah they're they're still available out there um, and then, of course, you have the secondary markets, obviously, and those are, if yeah. you guys are looking for dress boxes, that's that's the place to go. Well, you're going to pay a pretty penny. I've seen dress boxes, uh, yeah. full, like sealed dress boxes, I've seen go for six or seven hundred. It's crazy. Easily. Easily. It's insane. 
Um, so now let's talk about your uh, your little vacation that you went on. Where'd you go? <laughs> yeah, so I was in uh, I was down in Cuba for the Partagas Festival or Partagas Festival um, for a week, and man, it's you hear all these things about Cuba, and most of them are true, pretty much. Uh, it, it's it's a wild it's it really is a wild place I have to say, um, you know there there's something that a lot of people don't understand I didn't get it until I got to Cuba that there's such a thing called Cuban time. When yeah, you get yeah. to Cuba, you're oh, on yeah. Cuban time, man. And you know if you make an appointment, if you make a meeting, you say oh, I'm gonna meet you at three o'clock. If they show up at six, you can't be mad. That's just the way it is. It's Cuba. <laughs> and and this actually came in handy later in the week when I and I got I got viciously sick and no no one's fault but I, I got horribly ill and uh, you know I just had to go with it. It's Cuba. What else are you gonna yeah. do, right? Yeah. What are you gonna do? Um, so how was it? Like how was I've always wanted to go to Cuba and I've always wondered what the uh, like what it's like going to the Partagas Festival. So the festival, you know what the best way for me to describe the festival is like as I was sitting in the Hotel Nacional, you know, in the early days as people were starting to come in for the festival and meet up with each other and and kind of get their bearings. And then eventually when I went to the actual shop and I was sitting in there in their little the smoking lounge that they have, the VIP room, um, sitting there and just kind of observing people coming in. It was a lot like if you've seen the movie uh, Bloodsport. (laughs) <laughs> where all the fighters are just like they're showing up at the hotel in the lobby and they're all kind of like eyeballing each other and some guys know each oh, other yeah. and other guys don't and it's it's fascinating so many different people from around the world Saudi Arabia Germany the US Canada it's insane and it's really cool the presence alone awesome. i think is just in, that during that week is really insane yeah it sounds a lot like uh puro sabor which we were talking about before in the green room oh yeah yeah um, i went last year and it was there were people from i believe it was 29 different countries um and it was only like uh i think the so the, the way that puro sabor is done is kind of weird because they have the group that goes on puro sabor um and that's like a core group of people but then locals and cigar manufacturers and stuff can can buy tickets and stuff. Um, so at the lunches and the dinners, you've always got more people. Um, but I think the tour groups that I was part of were like a total of 130 people. Okay. And to come from 30 different countries, that's a lot of variation there. It's impressive. It's really impressive. And you know what the cool thing that I – that more than anything that I realized, sitting at the last night's gala dinner um, – you have all these different people, and a lot of these people are, whether they're retailers or they're in the business somewhere, or they're just fans and they love cigars and they wanted to come out. You have people from all walks of life, from all countries. Like you have some guys that probably are millionaires with yachts and just like people that normally you'd never you know, figure you'd be sitting at a dinner table with smoking a cigar and chatting. And cigars bring all these people together, and that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I always kind of like that. That's what it's that. about at the end of the day. Yeah, and it's all about enjoying cigars, and as we say, cigars are kind of a, uh, I don't know, they're, they kind of bring everybody to the same level, so that all you're thinking about is cigars, which, you know, when you're geeking out about cigars, you can talk to anybody, no matter oh, yeah. what they do, and no matter how much money they have, no matter what their life experience or age is, um, and you just kind of get along, and it's awesome. So, my, my biggest question is something that I've heard from multiple sources within the industry is at the Partagas oh, Festival, yeah. after the gala dinner, it's just like a, a ravenous rampage of people stealing everything off the tables, like centerpieces <laughs> and silverware, and people are stealing like plates and glasses and stuff. It, did that really happen at the uh, end of the night? You know what? I actually didn't notice, but I can tell you they had... Um... They had every table had a bottle of Santiago de Cuba 25, oh. which I'm not sure what the street value is. It might be a $2,000 a bottle of rum. I could be wrong. Don't quote me on that. But um, everybody's table had one, and I'm pretty sure they didn't care if you took it home. But uh, I didn't. I didn't see any plates or anything like that going missing. Yeah, from what I've heard, people like are are just stealing anything that's not nailed down. They're taking like. <laughs> You know, placemat or uh, tablecloths and just anything wow. that they can. Um, but maybe that I mean, was more it, it was, at the Habano's. It was a very nice spread. Still. 
It was a well, very nice they, spread. The dinner was beautiful. So that's what the person was telling me is like these guys come up on their yacht with their their three paid girlfriends that are like gorgeous. Mm-hmm. You can't believe how beautiful they are. And then they come into this and they're smoking the most expensive like thousand dollar cigars that they have in their humidor. And then at the end of the night, they're just grabbing all the forks they can. <laughs> I, I've just really wondered if that was true. So you know what? We're not I, here just, I believe it. <laughs> um, we're not here just to talk about it. So I'm kind of ready to move on to drinking. Um, do you have any other like closing thoughts about the Partagas Festival? There's, I, you know what? I can I can talk for days about it. So maybe we can chat about it maybe after show or on another show. But the only thing I would say is this: shout out to John. Cigar Surgeon for recommending this baby here, which is... Uh, oh, you managed to get one, huh? Man, and, and, and you know, I got a, this this little baby was only 20 bucks. And That's what it I've, weighs I've heard like... Cheap dirt. Man, you can, you can kill somebody with this thing. It's so heavy, but it's beautiful. And I got a couple of them. And, uh, you know, thanks to him for hooking me up with that idea. They're incredible. Very cool stuff. So that's a nice I, little memory really to bring back. Good, really good things about those. Oh, yeah. Beautiful craftsmanship. Absolutely. All right. So we'll talk a little more about Cuba in the after dark. But before we get to that, um, we're going to be drinking a little bit. So I'm going to introduce my first beverage here. Um, kind of go through a little story time about it. So this is Early Times Bottled Ooh. in Bond. Um, so I, this is fairly new. I'm not sure exactly when this release came out. Um. Early Times is cheap, cheap bourbon. It's one of like the, I think I've read it's like the top four bourbon in the world. Um, but it's, it's cheap bourbon. But I grew up around it. So it, the company was started in 1923. And in the 50s, they were, they had grown into the highest selling whiskey brand in the country. Um, and when I was a kid, my grandparents, both of my dad's parents, drank early times. It was all they drank. It was the only thing they kept in the liquor cabinet uh, that, at least, that they drank. They would keep stuff for guests. And it reminded me. It reminds me, like looking back, about how I do. Like, I have a bunch of bourbon, a bunch of scotch, and a bunch of gin. If you want anything else, you're out of luck in my house because <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm not like buying a bunch of mixers and cranberry juice and oh, stuff like same. that. Like, if you want something like that, bring it yourself. Um, but so on Thanksgiving, the day before Thanksgiving, I saw this bottle on the shelf and I thought that would be the perfect bottle to drink with my dad. So I, I got it so that we could have a little, a little glass of it on Thanksgiving. Um, and you know, just think about his parents. So it's, it was nice, but so this is bottled in bond. Um, and the interesting thing about it is this is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey bottled in bond. And that's like five different classifications. Actually, I think it's four different classifications. <laughs> so uh, obviously Kentucky. You can't call it Kentucky unless it comes from Kentucky. Yep. Uh, straight means that it cannot have any flavors added. It can't have anything but water and whiskey and time spent in wood. Um, and then, of course, bourbon means that it's at least 51% corn. And then um, – and I think – I think bourbon has a age requirement, but I don't remember what that is off the top of my head. I think it's two years. Uh, bottled in bond means that it has to be aged at least for four years. All of the spirit has to come from the same distillery, so you can't be mixing different ages and stuff like that from different distillers. Um, it all has to come from the same year, from the same distillery, and it has to be aged four years. And my favorite part, it has to be bottled at 100 proof. Oh, yeah. Um, and bottled in bond is a weird thing because it seems like the only whiskeys that I know of that are bottled in bond are cheaper whiskeys. Like in the – this was 20 bucks. The only bottled in bond whiskeys I know of are between like 15 to $25. Um, I'm not sure why. Maybe it's the age requirement or maybe it's just that a lot of the bigger distillers or the, the more expensive whiskeys are kind of, you know, like uh, high west. They none of their stuff could be bottled in bond because it's all they're constantly experimenting. They're mixing stuff from different distilleries yeah. and ages, um, and you're not allowed to do that with this. So I'm going to take a couple of sips while you talk about your first beverage there. Dude, that looks so beautiful. Nice and dark. Oh, yeah, man. show it off. Yeah, it's it's like a nice dark amber 
kind of color. Um, it's it's a gorgeous whiskey, especially for twenty bucks. I mean, I'm kind of impressed with it. I mean, there you can see it a little better in the bottle, um, but for twenty bucks, I'm pretty impressed with this. It's um, a decent sipping whiskey. Yeah, you know, for twenty bucks in New York, I'd probably get like Evan Williams Green at best, <laughs> pushing it at best, like the finest with maybe a little string around it or something. But you might get regular early times for twenty bucks. I think that you know I have to look for early it. times is eleven ninety five here. It's cheap, cheap stuff. Oh wow, okay, I have to look for that. So I'm actually uh, not not drinking whiskey tonight. Unfortunately, I'm drinking beer. And my first beer of the night comes from a brewery that I've actually never heard of. It's the first time I'm trying it. It's called Catskill Brewery. And it's kind of cool. Cool label. Uh, they got a giant crawler of this thing. And this is their IPA. This is actually the Floodwatch IPA. And it's whole flower hopped with Simcoe and uh, I believe Citra as well. It's about 5.7%. It's a really nice, easy-drinking IPA. These guys are up in the Catskill, so it's about two hours from New York, roughly give or take, and I had no idea, but they were open actually since 2014. So they've been open for oh. a while, and I've, I've never really seen their beers down here. A friend of mine hooked me up with this one. Um, and their facility is actually really nice. I looked up into it a little bit, and they have a fully green facility. So as green as they possibly can be. They have uh, solar panels. They have grass grown on the roof. They have a lot of plants everywhere, natural light coming into the, to the facility. And right now, their production facility is about 3,500 square feet. So, you know, pretty nice. good. Not, not, not too bad at all. Yeah, that's that's pretty decent size for somebody that new. Yeah, especially if you're a couple hours away small. and you haven't heard of it. Yeah, exactly. And and they seem to be expanding pretty well. Uh, I don't know if they've opened it yet, but on the books, I know they, they wanted to open up a, um, a German-style beer garden. Oh, and nice. And a distillery as well Those are always on fun. the side. So they're, they're always great. Absolutely. Uh, we got a couple comments from the the, the viewers here on Facebook. John O'Lernick says one bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. I didn't even realize that's what I was doing. I just oh. wanted to get a range <laughs> of beverages to try with this thing because I've only smoked one of these so far. This is my second one. Um, and then Jose says, hey, gents and sinners. He's an SNS guy. Uh, we're both, oh, I think we're nice. both firmly on the sinners side of the equation. Oh, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so the early times, I mean, like I said, this isn't, this isn't going to drink like a $50 bottle of whiskey. Uh, it's, it's definitely rough around the edges. It's got like kind of that, uh, that freshly applied varnish kind of smell, (laughs) which as, as I talk about every week, it sounds terrible, but it's not necessarily a totally bad thing. It's just kind of your taste. Um, yeah. And it's got a little bit of that on the palate, too, like that kind of like um, the sweet wood and ethanol coming together reminds me of the, uh, I don't know, just the smell of like that thick, heavy, sweet smelling varnish uh, that I don't even know if you can buy anymore, but it's probably a smell not, that I remember from being not. a kid. Yeah, I'm it sure it's legal by now. But um, that, you know what? But, it's cool that you mentioned that. That's that homey sort of cozy smell that you would expect from a kind of whiskey that your grandfather would drink. Yeah, just exactly. sitting around. It reminds me, it makes me think, I mean, maybe it's just my memory, like, imposing on the on my palate, um, but it, it reminds me of, like, the whiskey people would have drank in an older time. Like, it reminds me of a whiskey people would drink in the 50s that's a little more rough around the edges. Um, there's still a lot of flavor, but you're not you're not going to – this isn't the type of whiskey that's meant to be sipped and savored. Uh, it's the type of whiskey you should pour in a glass and drink at the end of a long day at work. Yeah. But a flask I, going fishing. Yeah, or it could be really good in a flask. Um, I think it goes really well with the spice in this cigar, though. Like the spice in those raisin notes actually complement the kind of uh, rough-around-the-edges flavor of the whiskey. How's your your first beer there? I'm I'm actually getting a lot of – biscuit notes from the cigar and to be fair this ipa normally i go for like the crazy double ipa is super hopped really juicy this is a really nice easy drinking ipa uh it's still got some color to it but it's it doesn't stay on the palate it's not cloying on the palate which is what you would want out of a basic ipa you just want that flavor initially and then you want it to dissipate a little bit almost like uh 
almost like a lighter champagne, sort of. Kind of the, the yeah. bubbly essence to it. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping for my beer coming up here. Um, another thing John Olernick said is he loves an old-fashioned. I think this early times would actually be really good in an old-fashioned. Oh, that's a good idea. Um, sweeten it up a little bit, soften out those rough edges. Um, I think it, it would actually go really well with an old-fashioned. Uh, we're going to take our first break here, and then we'll be right back talking more uh, more monsters. Blended by Gurkha's blending team at American Caribbean Cigars is hand-rolled Nicaraguan available in 35-count boxes. Talk to your local B&M about the heritage today, or talk to them about other fine Gurkha cigars. Whatever your taste preference is, Gurkha has a cigar that's right for you. And we're back. Um, so as we were talking about while you guys were watching that advertisement from one of our fine sponsors, um, we're getting a lot of like biscuity, bready, savory kind of notes from the cigar. Um, the spice is really starting to drop off a little bit. There's still a little bit of black pepper, but it's not as intense as it was before. Um, and I just realized that when I was talking about Padron, I started talking about Jose and I forgot to mention the, uh, the 45 years that is the most pronounced pepper I've ever had in a cigar. Oh, wow. Like, it tastes like your freshly ground pepper and then rubbing it on your tongue. It's so good, and it lasts the entire way through. But it's got like that – I've never tasted it in anything else where you get that spice and you get a lot of pepper. But in this, it ta- it had the flavor of pepper. Um, and John O'Larenick oh, wow. wants to know okay. what we're smoking. Uh, and we kind of went right past it at the beginning. So this is the latest in the Tatuaje Monster series. It looks a little black on my camera there. And uh, I think it's, it's actually, blue, right? Yeah, it's kind of a navy blue to yeah. mimic uh, Michael Myers' kind of coveralls that he wears. Um, and then, of course, the white on the label is to represent his mask. So this is the Tatuaje Michael, which is the latest in the, the Monster releases. It came out... Uh, a little, just about a month and a half ago. Um, so these are still, I think they're still smoking a little bit fresh. I think uh, I'm going to let the rest of my box sit for about six months before I break into another one. Um, but we'll see. To their credit, I have to say the, the burn is, is solid on this. It's smoking great. It's burning great. So for a fresh cigar, it's really in good shape. Yeah, mine's canoeing a little bit, but that's my fault because I was talking too much. Um, so before I get into my next beverage, I'm just going to, touch up that burn there because sometimes when you when the like no matter how good the construction is if you mess up and talk too much like that you can mess up the burn um so my next beer from sierra nevada uh this is their fresh hop ipa so they started doing this uh these new 12 packs this year i think they're new this year i hadn't seen them before um but they're hop specific so they had uh, the last one, I believe, was a single hop pack where it was four different beers, um, but all of them use a single hop in common. Um, this one is a pack of fresh hop beers. All four of the beers are fresh hop IPAs. So it's got a session IPA. It's got this fresh hop IPA. It's got a fresh hop double IPA. Uh, and then, of course, the old standby, their uh, celebration winter beer, their winter seasonal, which is really a, a fresh-hopped double IPA. Um, and if, if you're not familiar with Sierra Nevada, you have not been drinking beer very long. They're practically the padrone of beers. Um, <laughs> they were started an in, analogy. Yeah. They were started in 1979 <laughs> by a couple of home brewers in Chico, California. Uh, and now I believe they're like they're in the top three. I don't know if they're the number one selling craft beer. I know they're the seventh largest brewery in the in the country, which is crazy for a company that still kind of operates like a craft beer company. I mean, um, we were talking about it a little bit on Facebook over text or something, and they just don't put out bad beers very much. Like they don't put out anything that tastes like a macro brew beer, where it's kind of like um, you know, at a certain point, you can tell when a when a beer is quantity over quality, and all of their beers that I've ever tasted have been more focused on quality than quantity. 
Uh, and they've still got some really good seasonal releases, and they're, I mean, their regular pale ale is passable for me. It's not something that I'm going to order every time I see it, but if it's the only craft beer on the menu, I'm going to order it, and I'm going to like it. I mean, it's not like I'm not going to enjoy it. What's your next beer? Yeah, I've been the same about Sierra as well. I've never had a bad beer. They're Bigfoot. I'm a huge fan of it. Oh, yeah. That, that barley wine is great. It's fantastic, yeah, man. And uh, so my next beer is a little bit weird. It's uh, as as normally I like to go, kind of the weird styles. Yeah. I'm going with a Stillwater, and this is actually Stillwater, and um, oh, I forgot what it was. It was a Dorchester Brewing Company. So for those of you that don't know, Stillwater is what's considered a gypsy brewing company. So they basically have a head brewer that that designs the beers, that comes up with the recipes, and then he goes off to a, a proper brewery that has the the equipment and brews all that stuff there. So this is one of their collaboration projects with Dor- Dorchester, and this is called the the I guess it's called the Nam Nam or Gnam Gnam. <laughs> it depends how you want to say it, but. Uh, it's really funky. It's a mango lemongrass chili IPA. It's actually a double IPA. So it comes in at uh, 8%, which is, honestly, you don't you don't taste it with this beer in it. It's pretty light. This is one of those beers for me, you know, with my palate, I would easily put this into the sessionable category. I think years ago I would have said this beer is insane, but because my palate has changed so much over the years toward the really heavy, strong, super hoppy, weird kind of IPAs. Now mm-hmm. this is a session beer for me. <laughs> um, so I forgot to mention mine. And I actually, while you were talking, I had to hunt for it on the can. Uh, my fresh hop IPA here is 6.4% ABV. Um, and I also forgot to show off how gorgeous it is. I mean, it looks almost like a milkshake IPA. I wish you could see it backlit here like... Looking at it against my lights, it's like it's bright orange. It looks like uh, like sunny delight. <laughs> and what was the hop for that? Uh, you know? They don't actually say, but it's it's fresh, so it's got to be something from California or maybe Oregon. Must be, yeah. Um, That's and cool. it's got it's got exactly what I like in an IPA. It's light and crisp, but has like a little bit of that sticky resiny kind of hop flavor that sticks to your palate um i'm not sure how it goes with a cigar yet i'm gonna have to think about it while you're talking about yours but um for the beer itself it's it's fantastic mine is actually you know what i I have to say the mango flavor is not like even on the on the nose mango flavor barely comes through and on the on the tongue it's mostly the lemongrass and the chili which is pretty cool Chili's not intense, so if you're used to chili beers and you you don't you don't like them, it's not that. It's not as intense. Mostly lemongrass. If you dig that kind of like fresh zesty flavor, that's what this beer is. Yeah, it's kind of that uh that like that stout level of chili where like yes, uh, exactly. it makes me think of Chocaveza and uh, Prairie Bomb. Where it's got the spice, but you're not really noticing it. Like if somebody told you, didn't tell you there were peppers in there, oh yeah, you might not even know it because it's really just kind of like a an afterthought on your palate. And it's funny, actually, the the, the chili spice comes out more with the cigar. And I actually I think it works really well, very well with the cigar. It brings back some of that black pepper spice that was on the initial, you know, first inch or so. I was actually about to say the same thing. The the hops in this beer, um, and that kind of like citrusy, hoppy sweetness, um, it really brings out the black pepper in this. I'm getting so much more like black and red pepper than I was before. And at this point, I, I wasn't noticing it as much before. The retrohale is so spicy. It's like an intense white pepper right now. And maybe that's because of the beer. Maybe it's not. But... Um, I actually think this is a cigar, so, like, for me, the two things that can stand up to an IPA as far as pairing a cigar goes is, I hate to say it because I know some people out there hate it, um, but Kentucky Fire Cured, uh, whether it's just a little bit or it's something like the Drew Estate KFC, um, a little bit of that Fire Cured tobacco can really uh, balance out 
the pairing with an IPA. Um, but I feel like Ecuadorian Habano goes really well with IPA. Uh, if it's executed a certain way, which this one is, when it's like a, a sort of dry but spicy Habana, Ecuadorian Habano, where it's not overly sweet or anything like that, or overly chocolatey. Um, this, this Habano is more like um, black pepper, dry hay, kind of a little bit of like that bready, caramelly kind of sweetness. Yeah, that's actually what I was getting a lot of as well. And, and that's a good point. It, it really does take a certain type of cigar to fit well with an IPA and not overpower it and also not be underwhelmed. Yeah. Uh, and it, so far, I have to say IPAs, man, this, this cigar is easy choice for me if I'm drinking IPAs. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I feel like this cigar could go really well with a range of IPAs. I thought about going, uh, going vertical IPA with that Sierra Nevada pack that I talked about. Um, oh yeah, but I thought that might be a little too risky, and I I think now that it actually would have been an okay choice. So we're gonna take our second break here. We'll be right back after a message from one of our sponsors. Oasis, don't spend all your time worrying about your cigar wrappers cracking, splitting, or falling apart from humidity fluctuation issues. Set it and forget it by choosing Cigar Oasis, a professional solution which provides equal distribution of humidity with precise electronic controls. Monitor your cigars through the internet using the smart humidor Wi-Fi attachment. Why don't you spend all your time enjoying your cigars and relaxing and let Cigar Oasis protect your cigars. Cigar Oasis has solutions for any humidor. Make sure you set it and forget it today. And we're back with sharing our pairings. Um, anybody who just joined, we're smoking the Tatuaje Monster, the latest one, the Michael, uh, based, of course, on the classic... Uh, film Halloween by John Carpenter. I'm going to talk about my last pairing here. I'm not sure how this one's going to go. I'm going to say that before I introduce it. This one I'm really not sure about. Um, this is a pairing that I think goes really well with the Tetuaje Black, which I would guess this uh, shares fillers with. So I think it's going to be good, but we'll see. This is Ardbeg 10. Um, for those who aren't familiar with Ardbeg, it's a uh, Isla Scotch distillery. Um, they make a fair amount of scotch, but not as much as many. They make one, one and a quarter million liters, which is 330,000 gallons per year, um, which isn't a ton. I mean, compared to people who are making 10 million gallons of scotch a year, they're kind of one of the smaller distilleries. Um, they've been around since 1798, um, but they didn't actually start producing commercial whiskey until 1815 which i've never been clear on what exactly that means i feel like maybe they were making like whiskey for themselves or whiskey for people in the area and they weren't distributing it i don't know um but the distillery was open for almost 20 years before they began commercially selling i'm just not sure what that means um it is the weirdest looking scotch to me (laughs) i mean it looks it's the color of champagne or white wine um but then you smell it and it smells and yeah it smells like a every peat bog in isla is on fire (laughs) at the same time like it it smells like a tire fire in all the best ways (laughs) oh i love it um i'm gonna let you talk about yours while i take a couple sips of this Ardbeg. It's one of my favorites. I love that. Tire, tire fire. I think that's going to be my, my new thing. I'm going to start using that if it's okay with you. Yeah, go for it. It's, it's beautiful. It fits perfectly. So my last beer I haven't poured yet because I thought I'd, I would it's pour it on the show. i got to shake it. It's oh, pretty I'm cool. I'm so excited. So this is another – it's another Stillwater collaboration, another one of those you know gypsy brews. And this is actually with Oliver Brewing Company down in Maryland. Um. Kind of cool can. I like honestly. I bought it because I thought the can was really cool. It's called Whipped. It's a uh, imperial stout with lactose and vanilla, or vanilla mm-hmm. bean. I guess they add, they put it in. Um, it's eight percent. Pretty cool. But the fun thing about this is this is on nitro, and so it even says on the can. You know the can that you shake. Can that you shake. That's why I, I mentioned you exciting. earlier. It's like, do you really shake that when you? And I'm, when, and I'm shaking it, giving it a nice little shake. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna pour it into my my trusty Iron Maiden pint glass. Which, for those of you beer geeks out there, yes, this does have nucleation points on the bottom. I, you probably can't see them, but it go. says Iron Maiden inside of the glass. It's, points? Yeah, it's etched. It's etched That's into awesome. the bottom, which is fantastic. It's very cool. So I'm going to pop this open, and I'm going to dump it as hard as I can. There you go. And hopefully, if I did this right... If you give it a minute and you start you may start to see some of that 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 beautiful nitrogen coming out of uh, suspension there. I don't know what it is, but that's one of the most satisfying things to see. Like when you get a nitrogen and you see that, it's just beautiful. Uh, especially my favorite thing is when you get an IPA like that that's on oh, nitrogen. Yeah. And yeah. it's like a hazy IPA and you get that effect, but it's not black like you're used to. It's like bright gold. I don't know. It's it's that's like a beer geek satisfaction thing. It's 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 one of those things. Unless you experience it, you can't really share the magic of that moment, which sounds crazy. But you know, we're beer guys, and other beer guys may may uh, may get it. And it's nice. You get a nice, cool, creamy head. But this is not the typical creamy head you get from a beer. This is like thick milkshake. Yeah, that looks like, like you insane. Could, you could set a cherry on top. Yes, and it would just you sit could there. Prob- I could probably take the cigar and stick it on top, and it'll stay there. <laughs> um, so Jose said very peaty, and he thinks it might overpower the cigar in reference to my Ardbeg. Uh, he's correct. Unfortunately, oh, wow. the peat the peat is just too much for it. Um, I mean, this is a really weird whiskey, which is one of the things I really like about it because it's super peaty, but it's got a very very light body. Um, and the problem with that is when you're pairing it with something like this, I barely taste the smoke anymore because of the peat and because of the smoke, I don't taste any of the nuances that are in the Ardbeg. Um, so this is just a bad pairing in all the wrong ways. (laughs) But how's the, uh, how's that stout? Oh man, that looks amazing. It's just, it's so thick. It's incredibly thick, but it's really well balanced. If you like stouts, if you don't like stouts, you'd love this beer. It's sweet. It's actually, I think the lactose, they kicked it up a little bit than, than what you typically see in, in most lactose-based beers. Um, and the vanilla pops. It really just comes out. So it's got this really nice like vanilla ice cream milkshake type deal with a little bit of coffee, but not much. And... As good as the beer is, I'd say that it doesn't necessarily fit too well with the cigar. It doesn't overpower, but I feel like they're kind of fighting each other for, for, for flavor. I, I feel like that's more of a broad, leafy kind of beer. Yes. Yeah, it, it definitely needs something with a little bit more body to it. Yeah, all right. So, so we both went awry with our final pairings here, but that's all right. Um, I've, for anybody watching who might have noticed, I went back to my beer um, because this cigar just goes so well with an IPA. It's kind of unbelievable. Um, I wasn't expecting it to go that well, because like I said, this it reminds me a lot of the Tatuai Black. Um, I mean, it's at the very least, it's got the same wrapper. We know that much. Um, the fillers, I'm assuming, are at least somewhat different. Um, but the Black, I feel like, goes really well with a peated scotch, and this one gets a little bit overpowered. Yeah, I think the the black, that's a good point, too. The the black is a little bit, um, I want to say almost bolder. It's a little bit more, mm-hmm. those edges are a little bit sharper on the cigar, so it, it can withstand a stronger drink pairing, whether it's beer or whiskey. Yeah, this reminds me of a of a black label, but I know the, uh, the Mummy was actually based on a black label, but the Mummy is nowhere near as strong as this one. No. The mummy is much more refined, but I feel like this is just a little more refined than a black label. Um, And I actually kind of see what Pete was talking about. So in my interview with him, he said that the it it starts off strong and then it kind of lulls you into a false sense of security. Yes. By 
by settling down a lot and then slowly getting stronger. And I'm starting to notice that, that it's, I mean, it really like it fell off at, at like maybe an inch or half an inch and it got way less spicy. And now it's just ramping up. I'm, I'm feeling pretty buzzy. I have to tell you <laughs> it's, it's, a, and, and you know what? I, I smoke a lot of really strong cigars. Mm-hmm. I usually drink. My pairings are very strong normally. And after Cuba, you know, I, I, the strength really wasn't there. The Cuban cigars are fantastic. Had a lot of beautiful cigars, and that had power to them as well. And yeah, especially this is the, my the first custom like, rolls. Like custom oh, rolls yeah, are a lot stronger than people give them credit for. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they'll kill you if you're not used to that kind of smoke. It'll kill you. But um, I'm feeling a strength on this. It's it's nice though. It's a really nice, pleasant surprise. And it's uh, it's a it's a slow progression, which I like. Yeah. Like, it's slowly getting stronger, which is, uh, I mean, it's exactly what Pete said it was, which I'm I'm surprised by. I wasn't expecting it to be, I wasn't quite expecting it based on my last, the last time I smoked it, which was right off the truck. Like, I was out of town, I think, and I got home, and my Michaels were here, and I smoked one. I don't remember it ramping up this much. To me, this is almost like, for those of you, if, if any of you are chili heads out there, this to me is almost like a ghost pepper. <laughs> Where you get that, you know, you get a lot of flavor on the, on the front end, and you're like, all right, this is, this is pretty good, strong. And then you think, all right, I'm done. It's, it's not going to get any stronger oh, yeah. than this. And it just builds and builds and, and builds, builds and builds and flavor builds. changes. Yes. Yeah. It's kind of like that. I'm very familiar with that feeling. Um, <laughs> so when I was out of town for work last week, I was at the office. And we had pizza, and they had, like, some, I don't know, like, it was some store brand. I don't remember what store it was, but it was some store brand uh, Chipotle hot sauce. And I was like, oh, I'll try some of that. And it was, it was pretty good. And then the guy sitting next to me was like, oh, you're having hot sauce? I'll try that on my pizza. And halfway through this slice of pizza, his, like, his face was burning up. His, like, he was freaking out. And I was telling him that it reminded me of when we were in Nicaragua and you gave out oh. some of that Carolina <laughs> Reaper chocolate and people were like going yeah. crazy. I was, this dude was doing that over just like store brand hot sauce. Yeah, man. If you're not used to it, it'll, it'll kill you. I recently had the um, the Pacquiao Reaper chip, the one chip challenge. Oh, yeah. Actually, I, I watched that on Facebook. Yeah. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah, that looked pretty hot. It was, you know what? It was pain. It was not the hottest I've ever had, but it was pretty painful. It was. I, mean, I was I, impressed. You know, for a chip, I would it was guess good. that it was on on par with that chocolate. No, no, not even, not even close. Hotter or, or not as hot as the chocolate? Not as hot, believe it or not. Oh wow! But but then again, okay, so that's pretty. Tame. A lot of people may not realize that that chip was actually their ghost pepper chip. It's not. Oh, really? It's not an all Reaper chip. It's a ghost pepper chip with some Reaper on top. Oh, I see. Interesting. So you, so you it's a different type of heat. That sounds like a, a painful bit. combination. Like ghost pepper and Carolina Reaper are painful in different ways. Oh yeah. And when you put them together, I feel like that could get. Well, you know what makes it worse is when you decide to have a beer, and you know capsaicin is alcohol soluble. Oh yeah. So you get bad the stomach idea. pains. Yeah, bad well, idea. So, like, for me, when I drink something spicy, or when I eat something spicy and then I try to have a beer, like, it's like, bloop, that beer's gone. I need another bloop, that one's gone, because it's not yeah. quelling the heat. Oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> and then you're filled with beer, and you're uncomfortable, and your mouth is still on fire. <laughs> it's just bad. Um, and our, our last segment here is brought to you by Drew Estate. They good, smoke them, go on Cigar Safari. Um, they've got some new releases that have just come out. They've got the Pappy, which is, uh, it's a very expensive cigar. They're between 18 and 27 or $28. Um, but that is a really good blend. Uh, and then they've also got the Underground Sun Grown that just came out. That's kind of like, it reminds me a little bit of this kind of style where it's, it's that like light, but really spicy kind of flavor um and then they've also got those coronitas coming out right now like yeah those are shipping right now i'm pumped and, i mean it's it's interesting because they don't live up to the 
full flavor of an entire cigar. You can't you can't fit like a six by fifty two into that little package. Um, but they scratch that itch. Like if you're craving a T fifty two and you smoke one of those, you're gonna be satisfied. Um, and I think it's awesome that they're coming out with every single like every single traditional blend is gonna have a tin. Um, so you're gonna be able to get Nortenos and Herreras and uh, Undercrowns and Uncrowned Shades, Undercrowned Sungrowns, T-52s, League of Nines. They've got everything, and I cannot wait to smoke more of those. I'm excited. Th- those are all incredible. I love the, the traditional cigars from them. Yeah, me too. So I have to go back over my pairings. I've been drinking the beer a little bit. The Ardbeg, as I said, is a miss. Like, I'm not even going to give it a score. That would be like a... I don't know, 60? I, I don't know how I could score something that bad. Um, it's just not a good pairing because it kills the flavor of the cigar. Um, I'm going to try some of the bourbon here. I'm trying to decide whether the bourbon or the beer works better. So far, I'm leaning towards the beer. Yeah, I, th- I think the beer's a, a bet- a definitely a better pairing. The beer, I would actually give, um, and for anybody who hasn't been paying too much attention, that is the Sierra Nevada Fresh Hop IPA. Um, I think it goes really well with this cigar. I mean, the, the fresh hops, the not-too-malty, like, very light backbone of the beer, I feel like complements the cigar perfectly. Um I'm going to give that one a 96. That's I can't think of a better pairing with this cigar, um, but I'm not giving it a 100 because I'm sure there's one out there. I just haven't tried it. Uh, which one is your best pairing, Dennis? So I think for me, my, my favorite pairing is the Stillwater, the mango uh, double IPA with the chili and the lemongrass. Really nice, light, easy to drink. As it's warming up, the mango is coming out a little bit, but it's not overpowering the cigar. Unfortunately, as good as the Imperial Stout is, it's kind of a little bit too strong. And the the, the first beer I had, actually, funny enough, I was just drinking it. It's the, um, the Catskill IPA. It's got this really interesting orange zest flavor to it now. And... You know, initially when it was really cold, it worked well with the cigar, and I think now as it's warming up, it's not quite there. So probably I'd say 92, 92 for the uh, the mango chili, and then um, the next one would have to be the Catskill at about 89, 88, and then about 84. Oddly enough, 84 for my for my whipped, you know, imperial stout. That's sad because I was I was it's, really looking forward to seeing you drink I that know. one. Um, so for the early times bottled in bond, like I said, the beer's a better pairing. Um, <clears throat> as I've been, as we've been talking here, I've been sipping on that and smoking the cigar. And I think that the early times brings out better flavors in the cigar. The cigar brings out the worst flavors in the whiskey. Um, so it kind of brings out that. I mean, like I was talking about before, that varnishy kind of flavor, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, The cigar transforms it and makes it a bad thing. It takes on like a bitter, chemical-y kind of flavor that sticks to the palate a little bit. Um, Which, you know, that's just how pairing goes. Sometimes, like, you know, these combinations activate your flavor sensors, your, your, uh, what do they call those things? Your taste buds differently. Um, and this combination just doesn't work. I'm going to give that one like an 86. It's not a terrible pairing, but the whiskey is better without the cigar than it is with the cigar. Hmm. Okay. Um, and that we're not quite at the end of our Armed Forces Radio Network segment, um, but why don't we talk a little bit about your, uh, your time in Cuba? And actually, before I get to that, Jose asks if I've ever paired a PD Scotch successfully with cigar. Uh, I I don't think I've successfully paired Ardbeg. I feel like Ardbeg, because it's got that really light kind of body and that intense peat, doesn't pair well with a lot of with most cigars. Um, but I, I'm trying to remember what it was. There was a few months ago. 
that uh, John and I both had our Octomore from Brooklotti at the same time with the same cigar. And the Octomore paired so well with it. And it's weird because the Octomore is like five times as peaty as the Ardbeg. But they've balanced it out with so much more flavor on the sweet side that it doesn't taste as peaty as something like Ardbeg. Um, and then I feel like Lafroig goes really well. I feel like Lafroig would be the right choice for this. And Yeah, um, that's a great point. Lafroig and uh, Tatouille Black Label are one of my favorite pairings. Uh, I think those two just complement each other perfectly. All right, so would, now let's get on to Would Cuba. that be the, the Lefroy 10 or the yeah, something 10. like a quarter cask? Because I've had really good luck pairing the quarter cask. It's a little bit yeah, – it's not as edgy. I, I usually go with the 10 because I like that raw character that the 10 has. Yeah. The quarter cask is a little more balanced. Um, so I feel like actually the quarter cask would probably go better with this cigar than it does with the Black Label. Because the black label is a little stronger throughout, and this kind of starts off strong, and then gets a little bit milder, and then st- starts to get strong again. Um, so now let's get back to Cuba. I, I want to hear all about Cuba. Man, there, there's so much to say about Cuba. It's um, it's such a weird place because when you go there, you you know it, it's in the Caribbean, but it doesn't feel like a Caribbean island. I was really only in Havana, so I can't speak for the rest of Cuba, but uh, it doesn't feel like an island at all. When you go there, it's a little it's got this sort of time capsule kind of feel to it. And I think a lot of people say that, right? Because of the old cars, the old buildings, you know, things are kind of falling apart in most places. Old Havana's really historic and there are a lot of beautiful pictures that we've all seen from, from Cuba. But yeah. Some of the things I've I've come back with, first of all, I'd say Cuban food in the U.S., if you've had Cuban food in the U.S., it's nothing like Cuban food in Cuba. You know, outside of the fact that, hey, you know, socialism, <laughs> it's a little bit different out there. They, they really so, only have access to certain things. Does that mean the food in Cuba is better than Cuban food in the U.S., or Cuban food in the U.S. is way better just because we have access to more food? Than I think it's, it's two very different things. It's almost like what you would consider – uh, Chinese food in the U.S. versus Chinese food oh, in yeah. China or anywhere okay. outside of the U.S., right? So it's one of those things. Not necessarily, not necessarily worse and not better, just different. But totally Americanized, yeah. Yeah, totally Americanized. I mean, they have the ingredients. They have access to the good stuff. When you go to a restaurant in Cuba, don't be surprised if you ask for half the things on the menu and say, oh, yeah, we don't have it today. Sorry. They just don't have them. You know, I mean, that they, sounds a lot like Nicaragua. Yes, when you ask for something, they may or may not have it. But the one thing I, I noticed about Cuba was interesting. Salad, fresh greens. You, If, if a, your dish comes with a salad, it's not a fresh salad. It's a pickled salad. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I don't like. touch that salad. Oh, no, no, no. I'm a fan. But <laughs> no, it's all I pickled. Meant, I meant in, uh, like in, in Nicaragua and Mexico, if you eat the salad, that's an easy, that's an easy trip to the bathroom <laughs> for the next three days. I learned that the hard way my first time in Nicaragua, actually. I remember. I was there. <laughs> but the food is good. It's, you know, you have to kind of set the expectations the right way. Um, stuff like beef is kind of hard to get. Pork is pretty common. Chicken is also fairly common. Seafood, you may or may not get lucky and find something. Mm-hmm. And it seems like right now Cuba's in a weird place where with all this tourism coming in, they have these really interesting... Um, it's almost like a uh, like a hipster, almost like a, I don't want to say it hipster, but sort of hipster cuisine scene out there, where you have a lot of really? little places popping up that are doing crazy food things. There's a sushi restaurant in Cuba I never went to, but from what I hear, is incredible. Like the wow, phenomenal sushi in Cuba. I would not expect that. And. You know, generally, yeah, absolutely. When you go to most places and you order seafood, they're like, oh, yeah, we don't have seafood today. Sorry. You're an island. How do you not have seafood? But that's just the way, you know, Cuba is. It's a little crazy. And I actually stayed in um, in a small, like, residential neighborhood. No no foreigners, really. I did an Airbnb type thing. Oh, nice. And, man, you know, walking back and forth to the Hotel Nacional to meet, you know, all the guys and hang out and stuff. I saw street vendors selling like meat, for example, from a cart, and mm-hmm. the meat 
you know, chunks of meat were hung up on on uh, ropes and hooks, just hanging from a cart, and the guy was just hanging out outside. It's like ninety eight degrees outside. <laughs> He's just chilling with this meat. This beef. He's just, just cooking his sun. meat on the hook in the yeah. sun. So it is very different, absolutely very different. And and unfortunately, when I got sick, I stuck to mostly bread and rum. Of course, as you did. That was that was my. You gotta. <laughs> you, got, you have to uh, sanitize everything. Oh yeah. Rum. As far as the cigars, I'd have to say, you know what? Going into Cuba, before Cuba, I was never a Cuban cigar guy. Not really. I've had a bunch of Cuban cigars. They never really did it for me. And I was a, never a rum guy. Like I went to Nicaragua. I had Florida Caña. Florida Caña is yeah. great, but it tastes like whiskey for me. It's, yeah, it's, it's got that whiskey essence, right? Whiskey. Yeah. And then I went to Cuba and I explored this Havana Club stuff and the Maestro and all these great Cuban rums. Phenomenal. Really good stuff. And Cuban cigars took a different uh, took a different life for me also. It's um, different. I mean, I, I always smoke stronger cigars in general, and I was able to find a lot of stronger cigars in the custom rolls. So, like, I went to Cuba, but no, I didn't smoke a lot of Cohibas, and I didn't smoke a lot of, like, the typical brands you hear about. I smoked a lot of custom rolls, and I was lucky enough that, you know, John and the rest of the crew from Canada were giving me, like, crazy stuff that they were getting from the custom rollers. So I was privileged to smoke great cigars. Yeah. And it jaded me a little bit. I brought some, you know, non-Cuban cigars with me, and I smoked a few of them, and I just couldn't get into it. I wanted a Cuban cigar. I was like just right. anchoring for a Cuban cigar when I was there. I mean, that's kind of the same thing as being in Nicaragua. In Nicaragua, only Nicaraguan cigars taste good. Yeah. Uh, if you smoke a Cuban or a Dominican cigar in Nicaragua, it doesn't taste right. It's it's like a thing you can't quantify and you can't explain. Um, but there's something with the air or something. I don't know. <laughs> But Nicaraguan cigars taste the best in Nicaragua, and I, I'm sure Cuban cigars take the taste the best in Cuba. Yeah, it's 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 really fascinating how that works out. Um, All right, here's a question: yeah. What was the best cigar you smoked on the trip? Oh man, you know what? I I know the cigar. I don't remember the name. It was a custom roll, but it was a special custom roll. So. Um, Oh, I can't remember. It was this crazy custom roll that was like hard to find, and uh, I think the the guy is not around anymore, and someone else is rolling those cigars, but on a limited basis. Oh. And John would be the guy to ask for that. Like, those were the cigars to get. All right, I'll talk, I'll I'll ask him next time. What was the best production cigar that you smoked that had a band on it? Huh. Production, you know what? Production cigar that really got me was um, that that impressed me. I smoked a lot of Partagas stuff, like you know, the, the typical Partagas stuff that everyone's used to. If you've gotten a, a Cuban cigar, you've probably smoked it. Uh, the Partagas stuff is great, and I enjoy it, and I'm a big fan. And I came back with two or three boxes of Partagas cigars, different cigars. Um, the Ramona Yones, those were phenomenal. Oh they, yeah. For some reason, like those hit me. Just in the right spot. The Vitola well, was just right. Super I think sweet. part of it is <clears throat> so Ramon Iones and the Partagas Series D are kind of the like the strong, spicy Cubans. Yeah, they they and definitely I, stick out. And I, and I, you know, I had a couple of Cohibas that were they were good, um, but they weren't. They didn't invoke that sort of like wow effect on me you know yeah i know what you mean um so that brings us kind of to the end of our armed forces radio network segment um thanks everybody for listening everybody in the armed forces thank you so much for what you do we really appreciate it it's um i mean i i kind of like i have a hard time talking at this part because i don't really know what to say but i really appreciate what you guys are doing out there it really means a lot to us back here um, protecting our freedoms. I hope you have time to sit down, listen to this, smoke a cigar. I know you don't have whiskey out there unless maybe you smuggled it in. I don't know. Um, but I hope you have time to enjoy it. Um, 
and get a little bit of time to yourself. So everybody have a great weekend. All right, we're still on. We're in the After Dark segment now. We can talk a little bit more about Cuba. Um, so you talked a little bit about what the food is like like at Cuban restaurants. What was the food like at the Partigas Festival, like at the dinners and stuff? <laughs> um, you know what? I, I don't want to – I don't want it to seem – like I'm speaking badly about the Partagas crew. Those guys did a great job. I think something happened with the planning of the event where it was rescheduled, moved kind of a little bit. New caterers, something like that. I heard a couple of other people got sick as well. I wasn't the only one. So not related to Partagas specifically, but you know, the, the food, when I was eating it, it was wonderful. It was delicious. And then whatever it was, man, like, few hours into the, the first opening dinner, I just didn't feel right. And it was one of those like, okay, this is going to be bad. And uh, a couple of other guys got sick over the next day or two as well. Uh, the closing dinner was really nice. The food was great. But I think because some of the guys were sick prior, they were a little bit nervous about yeah. eating some of it. A little bit hesitant. Yeah, exactly. Um, the one thing I would say is the closing dinner, the gala dinner, it was beautiful. You know, like, I mean, there, there was a band, live band, great musicians, really cool stuff. And just sitting down and eating this, I think it was a five-course dinner, if I'm not mistaken. But there was an army of people coming in to serve you, and they all served you at the same time. It was insane. Oh, yeah. They marched in with all the plates. It, it was just a whole production. Every dish was a production. And then you had another crew come in and pour you your wine, and you had another crew after that handing out cigars. And it was pretty cool. So what kind of cigars did they hand out? I'm very curious about that. So there was a lot of Partagas stuff, but there was also a lot of Cohiba stuff. It was a lot of the kind of what you would think for okay. typical Cuban Cuban cigars. It was nice. Each, each of the events, I, to be fair, I only went to two events. I went to the opening dinner and I went to the closing dinner. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't do the flight to the um, plantation. I didn't do that. And I didn't do most of the other events as well. That's most right. of the time was actually spent just kind of walking around and and exploring what the local scene was. Okay. That's cool. Which was great. You know, I, I went over to um, to meet one of the rollers, Reynaldo, who makes phenomenal custom rolls, just truly phenomenal. And dirt cheap, like three bucks a cigar. U.S. is dirt cheap. Oh, man. In Cuba, you know, I came back with a bundle of his cigars. Unfortunately, his cigars that I had in my bag, I was walking along the water, the, the Malecon, which is their, you know, kind of like waterside street. And I just got a, destroyed by a wave that came over the wall. <laughs> destroyed, completely, just soaked, man. To, to, you know, underwear, socks, done. And those cigars, even though they were wrapped, they were soaked, too. And so I'm hoping maybe I'll get of some course. of that ocean flavor out of them when I smoke them in a couple of so months. The, we'll see. Are they are they kind of they're kind of ruined? Well, I maybe we'll see what happens. You know, I have I have them sitting. <laughs> I I freeze them for a little bit. I have them sitting of now, course. and hopefully in a couple of you know a couple of months they'll be okay. But just being able to go and sit down and talk to the roller and hang out with the roller and and like the dude, you know, he he made us coffee. And we sat down and we talked with him about some of the cigars and some of the tobaccos going into it. It was exciting. It's a different, more personal experience than you yeah. would expect. Um, and and John is watching now. Ah. So my question for John is, what was that cigar that Dennis smoked that he loved so much that was a custom roll? Um, John, please answer in the comments. I can't remember the name. Oh, man. It was um, – I know Keith and John both gave me those cigars. And they were by far the best, like, I would easily give up all of my laptops for those cigars, for like a bundle. That's very high praise. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, th this is a cigar, if you're not a cigar smoker and I gave you that cigar and you smoked it, you would love the shit out of it. Uh, John says the big one or the little one? Little one. The little one. I'm, I'm like, he I'm knows exactly what it is. on Facebook now. <laughs> Uh, the big one was a Hamlet Salamone from 2013. I wonder if that's the same Salamone he gave me that was amazing. It, it is amazing. It's it's glorious. 
The little one he can't say. Smiley face. Yes, exactly. It's it's so one of those. He can't tell us. <laughs> okay. So he knows. Yeah. But um, you know what? For me, honestly, take away from the trip. All in all, Cuba is a crazy place. It's beautiful. It's it's um, it's really different. But the biggest takeaway for me was just the feeling of family. I don't know what how else to put it. It's meeting guys that I've never met before for the first time and sitting down and having a drink. And, like, all of a sudden you feel like you've known these guys for the longest time. Everyone's yeah. super generous, super nice. And we all have something in common. We all love cigars. So it doesn't matter what our backgrounds are, where we're from, how much money we have, whatever. And it's not something you see these days, unfortunately. It's very rare. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's, I mean, to me, that's the, uh, that's the thing about the cigar community that means so much is that people, no matter who you are, you're welcome. Um, as long as you can find common ground in smoking a cigar, which is not that hard to find like enjoyment in, at least not for me. And I lost Dennis for a second there, um, but he's Skype says he's on his way back, so we'll see. Oh, there we go. All right, I'm back. You had me worried there for a second. <laughs> I lost you for a second there. All right, well, I think that about ties it up. Do you have anything else to talk about about Cuba that I forgot to ask about? Yes. If you're right. in the U.S., go to Cuba. If you're not in the U.S., go to Cuba. But especially if you're in the U.S., don't be afraid. Make it happen. It's not hard. It's pretty cheap, and you won't be disappointed. That's that's the place you need to go, especially if you're into cigars. All right. Cigars are beautiful in a lot of places. You have to experience it. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening, watching, uh, commenting. We really appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow night. We will have uh, Scott Jansen from Warfighter Tobacco Company. I'm really excited to interview him. Um, they're, it's a really cool company making really good cigars. Um, and then we'll be back next week with a brand new episode of Sharing Our Pairings. Everybody have a good night. <laughs>